listen to me too, and we just want to keep this thing going and do everything we can to make sure we put on a good show. Thanks for your time, Kai. Welcome back to another episode of Swish on the Typical Twist Podcast Network. This is episode 12, and this is kind of an emergency episode as all-star starting power forward for the Brooklyn Nets, Kevin Durant, has officially requested a trade from the team. And this is something that kind of came out of nowhere, so it wasn't something anyone was really predicting. I mean, there was the conversation around uh, Kyrie and where he might end up. But to kind of help break down uh, the madness of NBA free agency and this, what is to be a potential Kevin Durant league-altering trade, I'm joined by my father, Jason Unger, to kind of talk about this. Uh, so how are you doing today, Dad? Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, doing good, man, on a Sunday. Just sipping some coffee and uh, trying to follow along with Woj and everyone else uh, who's basically probably been awake for 72 hours just trying to figure out uh, where everyone's going to end up. I mean, there's been a crazy amount of deals, uh, players signing max contracts, players getting traded. I mean, there's just there's just a ton of stuff going on. Just It's almost hard keeping up with it. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine what life is like for guys like Woj and Brian Windhorst and all those guys at ESPN. I mean, this is one of the busiest times of the season for them, and there's no basketballs being dribbled right now. So they've been pretty busy, and they've been also doing a great job of keeping us updated on these uh, trade requests, rumors, and stuff. So what was your initial reaction to learning that Kevin Durant wanted to be traded to a different team? Yeah, I remember talking to you about it, and we were just talking about how much the player empowerment has just completely changed the NBA landscape. I mean, if you're the Nets, I mean, you're sitting here thinking, oh yeah, we're, you know, we're going to bring in Kyrie. We've got KD. I mean, they were uh, a foot away from, you know, an NBA championship uh, just a couple of years ago to now you're in a situation where your best player and who many player people consider the best player in the NBA wants out and you're kind of forced into the corner because like you and I were talking uh, earlier I mean that just puts Sean Marks and the entire organization in a bad spot I mean you think you have this guy locked up for four years and out of the blue, he says, you know, I want out, I want to be traded. And then, you know, you and I were talking like, how are you supposed to deal with that? I mean, what are, what are you going to do? I mean, can you really bring him back into the fold and say, we're going to keep you after he requests a trade? I mean, I don't think so. I mean, I think they don't have a choice anymore. They have to move off of him. They have to move off of Kyrie and you have no draft picks. So you you go from being a team that's going to be able to contend for NBA championships year in and year out to a team who, again, is in a complete rebuild, probably. A complete rebuild is putting it nicely. This is a massive disaster for the Brooklyn Nets as an organization. And this is something that has happened to them in the, in the last decade. I mean, you can look back at, uh, you remember the trades they made when they brought in, they went all in on Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and Joe Johnson and 
Brooke Lopez was on that team and Darren Williams and all those guys. And they thought, okay, look, we made the trades. We traded our draft picks. We're going all in and we're going to try to win a championship with these veteran players. And what happened, what ended up happening was it crippled them for about five or six years. They were a poverty franchise because they put all their eggs in one basket, got rid of all their draft picks. And I mean, it kind of reflects on what's going on right now. Uh, you, you make the trade for Harden, you give up four or five uh, picks in that trade. And at the time it's like, oh, it's James Harden. You gotta do it, you gotta make the trade. And now looking back on it, what you got maybe a, good, a decent year out of James Harden in, in Brooklyn before he requests that trade to get out. So those picks that went to the Rockets are looking a lot better than they did when the Nets had a fully locked in Kyrie, KD, and Harden. So that's a big win for the Rockets as an organization. I'm sure they're sitting back watching this uh, very happy. But the Nets are just in this position where, look, they gave KD the long-term contract, five years, uh, whatever, $220 million or something like that. And you think, well, he's going to be on the team down the road, like you said. And when he, when he can just have the power to request a trade like that, how are you supposed to build a team like that when you dedicate $200 million to someone and on a four-year guaranteed contract and you just you can't even count on them to want to play on your team? So we talked about this, like you mentioned. I think in the CBA that gets renegotiated in a couple years, I think there's going to be owners and GMs really pushing for some more player control. And I'm all for player empowerment, and I think the players should control their own destiny and should be able to have say in contracts and, and things like that. But I think it comes to a point where if you're going to sign a four- or five-year contract, then there has to be some clause in that contract or something that you know that keeps you committed to that team because that team is committing hundreds of million dollars to you. You have to at least give them some kind of commitment. I understand the situation in Brooklyn was a little rocky, and it wasn't looking so good down the road or down this road they've went on. But man, I think uh, what this is going to do to KD's legacy. We'll, we'll talk about that here next. But man, I I just can't. I just feel bad for the Brooklyn Nets as an organization. They really accommodated to Kyrie and KD and did everything they could for him. And I mean, they got nothing to show for it. They got one playoff win out of three seasons with this core. Yeah, yeah, it's very frustrating. And I mean, if your dude's on that team, you know, your Joe Harris's, your Seth Curry's, I mean, the young guys that they have that they're trying to bring along. I mean, if you wake up today and think, what's this season? I, I mean, they have to be like, what? who is even going to be on this team? Like, who are we even going to be playing with? And I saw I saw this meme. It was Ben Simmons when uh, all his teammates get traded. It's the John Travolta and Pulp Fiction looking around like, uh, where did everyone go? Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, that's has that has to be the situation there. And I mean, it's like, and you going back to the player empowerment thing. I mean, if you're, I mean you're basically looking at a situation where if you can't lock a guy up for four or five years, I mean, you're going to be, you're going to be offering a lot of these one year deals. And I mean, how can you build any kind of team around guys who have one year contracts? I mean, that, that's not going to work either. So, I mean, like you said, when they redo the CB, they're going to have to completely change some things around and figure out a way to, have a healthy balance between allowing players to be able to play and go where they want. But yet at the same time, you just can't have these 
organizations just getting completely wrecked and having to rebuild every couple of years. I mean, that's not an answer either. And something you mentioned with the one-year contracts, I don't know if you remember back, but that was something that LeBron and KD both kind of did. KD was signing the one-plus-one-year uh, contracts with Golden State back when he play, uh, played four seasons with them. He would do one year and then one year player option and that would uh, lock him into bird rights so they could pay him again if he decided to stick around. And that's kind of what LeBron did in Cleveland. Uh, for I think that's what he did in LA for his first two years even too. So yeah. maybe that's something that we could see them go back into. But when we, when we bring up the CBA, for anyone that doesn't know what that means, it's called the Collective Bargaining Agreement. And that's something that gets renegotiated every eight years, I think, in the NBA. And that was something that allowed Kevin Durant to go to Golden State in the first place is when the CBA was renegotiated uh, in 2016, uh, eight years ago. They, the salary cap jumped up $20 million and that freed up some space for the Warriors to go ahead and sign KD because Draymond and Steph and Clay were on those team-friendly contracts. So uh, the league changes pretty much every eight years in one direction or the other when it comes to the CBA. So this is something that could definitely shape the way the NBA looks coming down uh, in the next few years here. Yeah, So yeah, for sure. <clears throat> I think the next thing I'd like to talk about is before we get into some hypothetical KD trades, which are very complicated too, because we'll, well, I'll talk about that later, but sticking to KD's legacy, something that I saw get brought up is this just cements that Steph Steph's greatness and Steph's status as an all-time great player is above KD, and he's now... Steph has unanimously agreed to be in this top 10 untouchable player ranking and KD is now outside of it because if it's kind of interesting to take a look at it. What team that KD has played for in his career is going to look back and say, you know, you're a beloved player of this franchise like Steph is. I mean, you go back the, the Thunder, I mean, that'll take some time to kind of heal those scars of him leaving like that and going to Golden State. So I don't know if that's necessarily an OKC. I don't know if it's in Golden State, even though he has the two finals MVPs for them, because the way he left kind of left a bad taste in some Warriors fans' mouths. And it's not going to be in Brooklyn because, I mean, he played some great basketball here, but he had nothing to show for it besides one first-round playoff win against the Celtics a couple years ago. And, I mean, he has a lot of basketball to play uh, in his career, and he can make things right with some of those organizations and maybe win somewhere else, but... I mean, if you think about it, maybe it's it's Seattle. Seattle's the only team that he didn't leave by his own uh, by his own choosing. So, what do you make of Kevin Durant's legacy? It's just such an interesting career arc that he's that he's taken. Uh, he's kind of like this basketball nomad who is better than everyone, but just can't seem to find a place to settle down and feel accepted. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And I think my age is able to offer a little bit of a perspective on this because when you talk legacy, it's about how you want to be remembered. And I mean, when you remember the all-time greats, Kareem and Bird and Dr. J and and all of those guys, when they went out, you know, they had these massive celebrations for them at every arena. I mean, Magic, I mean, all of those guys had their final year was like a send-off. Like, thank you for everything you've done for the sport. Thank you for everything, in Magic's case, that you've done for L.A., uh, Larry's case, everything you've done for Boston. 
And I think these young guys, and here's where being a little bit older can offer a little perspective. I mean, I think these young guys get caught up in the moment and they don't always think about what's gonna happen 20 years from now. And unfortunately, when you get caught up in the moment like that, you can't really see the forest through the trees, I guess is the best analogy. And yeah. they kind of get lost in that. And then, you know, when it's time to retire and all of the talking heads sit down and say, okay, where does this guy rank, you know, among the all-time greats? In KD's situation, I think the way he's his career is playing out, I think that is going to tarnish that because like you said, which city is going to embrace him? I mean, I, I just don't see that happening, like you said, anywhere. And and you made up made a good point. Honestly, Seattle is who doesn't even have a, <laughs> have a have an NBA team in their city anymore would be the only one where he left kind of in good terms. So, yeah, it's a difficult situation. Like I said, you kind of have to, when you're talking legacy, you kind of have to think about that stuff when you're in the moment. And I'm just not sure a lot of these young players are thinking about that. No, yeah, you bring up a great point when you when you talk about Magic and Bird and those guys and how beloved they are by their organizations. And KD is just, I mean, it's, factual to say that he'll never have anything close to that so uh to kind of wrap up this legacy talk uh where do you do you rank Steph ahead of KD when it comes to all-time player rankings because in my opinion well, I'll go ahead and give you my answer I think that KD is a better basketball player at, at his peak and Steph's peak I think KD is a better basketball player than Steph but I think when legacy you know as much as people don't want to bring it into how good a basketball player is Steph's legacy is just untarnished at all. I mean, besides, I mean, blowing a 3-1 lead, I mean, it is what it is. That's always going to be there. Just like LeBron's series against the Mavericks is always going to be held against him. Every player has one of those. But Steph's uh, legacy in Golden State is just flawless. And, you know, it's just picture perfect compared to KD's kind of, oh, I'm here, I'm going to play great basketball and win, but I'm not going to be accepted by this franchise necessarily like a guy like Steph. So... How, how much do you value that when you're making these kind of all-time player rankings? I agree with you uh, when you said that my eyes, when I watch the game, tell me that KD is a better basketball player than Steph. I, I, I just believe that with all my heart, with the size that he has and his skill set. I just believe watching the games with my eyes, my eyes are telling me, hey, KD is a transcendent basketball player and I would have him as far as if I had to rate players based on their basketball ability I would rate him ahead of Steph but when you flip the coin and talk about the legacy that we're talking about you're right I mean Steph is beloved in Oakland I mean he he can really do no wrong and winning the MVP in the finals this year again, uh, just cements that. And I don't see him ever going anywhere. I see him riding off into the sunset with Golden State. And yeah, I think ultimately that is going to put him ahead of KD on the Mount Rushmore when it comes to 
greatest players of all time for that simple reason is because he's won championships he's beloved in the city that he plays and that's going to be important and it, it is important to people who you know make those decisions as far as where you rank on the all-time list I think we're going to have a decent perspective on this whole thing. I mean, eight or nine years down the road, we're going to kind of see, because that'll be, KD's career will be over, it'll all be wrapped up, and we'll all be able to kind of analyze what we liked, what we saw, what we really gained from, what basketball really gained from having Kevin Durant in the league. And I think, ultimately, he's had a positive impact. I've, I mean, as a young NBA fan, I lost my mind when he went to Golden State. I thought it ruined the NBA, but... As, as I've matured as a basketball fan, Kevin Durant has just been one of my favorite players to watch because, I mean, as much as you can hate the guy for his decision-making off the court and his uh, team decisions and stuff like that, I mean, you can't deny that watching him play basketball is just not the most aesthetically pleasing uh, thing that you can do when it comes to watching the NBA. I mean, I'd rank him up there watching, I mean, KD and Kyrie being on the same team is such a treat for me because those are two of the most fun guys to watch. So yeah, I'll agree. 100%. Yeah, it'll just be interesting to see. It'll just be interesting to see where KD kind of lands when he when it's all said and done. So I think we can got to kind of wrap up the legacy talk. So <clears throat> to kind of wrap up this short little bonus kind of emergency episode, like I explained earlier, I have a couple Kevin Durant hypothetical trades that I thought made sense a little bit. But before we get into this, it gets kind of complicated because there's a rule in the NBA where you can't have two players that have a rookie max extension on the same team. And this is something I had no idea about until the other day I learned from Bobby Marks at ESPN kind of broke it down saying, if you have a player that was a rookie on a rookie scale deal and signed a max contract out of their rookie deal, which is Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons played four years in the NBA on a rookie deal and then got the max extension from the 76ers about three years ago. So you have him on the team, and the Nets are asking for one or two all-star talents and a bunch of draft compensation. So there's only a handful of teams in the NBA that have one or two all-star kind of level players, and that rule that I just explained kind of cancels out guys like Devin Booker, guys like Bam Adebayo, guys that signed pretty much every all-star, young all-star in the NBA has signed that contract. So you're really at a handicap when it comes to Get, uh, gaining all-star talent back in return for Kevin Durant because of that Ben Simmons exception, I guess. I, I didn't know that was a thing, but apparently it is. So it really puts a limit on what players the Nets can really acquire for Kevin Durant. And we've talked about this before. When you're trading, the team that's trading a player like Kevin Durant, there's no trade in the NBA that is going to get you equal compensation for what you're giving away, especially when it comes to Kevin Durant. Like you said, he is arguably the best player in the league unless you're getting Nikola Jokic or Giannis Antetokounmpo in return for Kevin Durant, which is not, it's not going to happen. It's just You're not going to get the, the available compensation that you'd like. So uh, Kevin Durant's worth on the market, I do believe, is more, like four or five first-round draft picks and some all-star level talent. But like I said, it's just a matter of getting that uh, on the team. So it's going to be – I feel like some of these trades, the actual trade for Kevin Durant might be a multi-team trade. So – but enough rambling about that. Uh, the first trade that I'd like to bring up is, I think, the leading candidate to trade for KD, and that's the Phoenix Suns. And the trade goes, Kevin Durant goes to Phoenix for DeAndre Ayton, Mikel Bridges, three first-round picks, and they only are able to trade two more first-round picks with that, and they have to be pick swaps. So five first-round picks in total, technically, if you want to look at it that way. So, I mean, that's a pretty big haul. 
But I mean, we're talking about Kevin Durant. So what's your initial reactions to this for Aiton Bridges and uh, about five, pretty much every draft pick the Suns can trade? Wow, that 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 is a lot. I mean, if you're Phoenix, that is a lot because I, I'm a believer in DeAndre Aiton. I know a lot of people are kind of down on him just because the whole big body uh, carrying maybe a little bit more weight than he should be. You know, is he going to break down? We've seen we, we've seen it over and over again. These big guys after years four, five, six start to wear down. So, I mean, is that going to happen with him? You know, only time is going to tell. But boy, when he's on the court and 100% healthy, he's He's a difference maker on both ends, and uh, he's. I, I just think he's a good player. You also talked about Mikel Bridges, uh, probably one of the top defenders in the NBA, wing defenders in the oh, NBA. Oh, no doubt, no doubt, no question about it. And offensively, you know, he had a lot of stuff to work on coming out of college, but he's kind of seems to be ironing some of that stuff out, and maybe in a situation where he's asked to score a little bit more. You know, maybe he could even maybe he could even do more. He wasn't asked to do a lot of scoring in Phoenix because they had guys who could who could fill it up with uh, Chris Paul and and Devin Booker and even DeAndre Ayton. So he wasn't asked to do a lot of that there. So I think he's capable of that. But most importantly, you know, are the picks. And I mean, when you're an NBA team and you are looking at a potential of five, a really good high quality draft picks I mean no fan wants to talk about that because then you're talking geez maybe we'll be good six seven years from now but that's a lot of draft capital to be given up and uh, but you know you're talking about like we said the one of the best players in the NBA if not the best player in the NBA how he fits with Phoenix I mean you got to look, I mean, Devin Booker's, obviously, that would be a pretty effective one-two situation when you're talking Devin Booker and KD. Yeah, I can see them playing off of each other really well. Oh, no question about it. No question about it. And, you know, are you going to get another year out of CP3, another couple of years? I mean, the guy... That's the question. The guy has betrayed Father Time, and it's just, I mean, he just seems to come up with these games that you you look and say how can he be doing this at 38 39 years old so I mean are you going to get another year out of him and if you trade away all of these draft picks I mean do they have the point guard of the future on the roster right now or would you have to go out in the draft and find one because that's something you're going to have to think about if you trade away all of these draft picks and it's interesting you say that because I don't know if you've seen this, but there was a report that came out sometime last week, and it was basically saying that, look, as the Suns, as, a, as an organization, as a front office, we don't value the draft. And we basically don't care about the draft. What is the draft? We don't, we don't put any resources into it. We just we don't care about our draft picks. And that's something, I mean, I don't think I would be saying that if I was an organization, but if that's true, if you're going to stand behind that, then trade these draft picks. Get Kevin Durant then. I don't know what you're talking about. Why do you even have the draft picks if you're just basically saying you don't care about the draft and don't uh, invest much time scouting for the draft? So if you're going to say that, then trade every draft pick you have for Kevin Durant. Right. I mean, that's what it comes down to, in my opinion. And for the Nets side of things, I think this is a pretty good return on investment for Kevin Durant. Obviously, it's not equal value, but 
if I was them, I'd maybe try to get my hands on like a Cam Johnson as well from the Suns. Uh, then I feel like I'd be a little more comfortable with that trade. But it's all about the salaries, and like I said, it's just a it's just a mess of uh, exceptions and rules that go into this. Because I mean, let's face it, the salary cap is at an all time high. These contracts are getting ridiculous. I mean, Nikola Jokic just signed a two hundred sixty million dollar contract. So trading these guys, when they ask for these trades, it's hard to do. It's hard to put together salaries and packages that really match up and make the trades work. So which is why it was really hard to put some of these trades together. Yeah, you you better have a hell of an accounting uh, staff on, on these teams to try and juggle all of this money because, like you said, that <laughs> that cannot be an easy job for sure. And the next trade I'm going to bring up is kind of – is interesting in the sense that it's kind of happened before. So we're going to talk about the Toronto Raptors and trading for Kevin Durant. And as you remember, three years ago, they made the huge trade for Kawhi Leonard. And that trade was DeMar DeRozan, I think Jakob Pertl, maybe another player. I can't remember, maybe to make the salaries work. But it was basically those two guys and like two first-round draft picks. So Kawhi's value at the time was kind of low because he was injured and uh, only had one year on his contract. So this situation is a little different with KD being healthy with multiple years on his contract. So they make the trade for Kevin Durant, and they send Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi, Gary Trent Jr., and one of the two, Pascal Siakam or OG Ananobi, not both, though, because then the con- the money wouldn't work, and then multiple first-round picks for uh, the Nets. And the reason that they sent so many more players and player talent to the Nets in this trade is because the Toronto Raptors kind of lack the draft compensation that the Nets are really looking for, so that's why you see Rookie of the Year Scotty Barnes going, you see 3-and-D wing, uh, young 3-and-D wing OG Ananobi going, Gary Trent, another 3-and-D guard, and then also uh, Pascal, well, I guess Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi are kind of interchangeable here depending on what the Nets value and where they see this trade going, so I'll read it again and let you react to it. It's Durant in exchange for Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi slash Pascal Siakam, Gary Trent, and uh, just as many first-round picks as the Toronto Raptors can possibly offer. Wow. I can't do that if I'm Toronto. I I simply can't do that if I'm Toronto because I am high on Scotty Barnes. I think that dude is going to be the real deal. I mean, he's the rookie of the year for a reason. His offensive game obviously still needs to be developed, but his athleticism and his ability to guard, I think in the next five years is going to be a premium. I mean, I think that guy is going to be the real deal. I, I, I'm okay with moving Siakam. I mean, he's he's had one foot out the door in Toronto ever since Kawhi left. So, I mean, they're going to move him. I, I think Ananobi is going to get moved too. I just, I, I can't part with Scotty Barnes here. I, I just can't do it. I mean, if you're going to package Siakam and OG and maybe three first-round picks, I, I might think of that, th- consider that scenario. But if Barnes is in, I'm out if I'm Toronto. And the other thing I think that's going to be a sticking point with this move is the Nets want to move off of Joe Harris and his 30, I think he's getting paid $37 million the next two years. So they want to, they want to move him in a deal along with KD. And then if you're the Raptors, you know, 
you're going to have to take on that contract as well. I'm just not doing it if I'm Toronto. I just can't do it. The, the, the Scotty Barnes piece of the puzzle for me and then potentially having to take on Joe Harris and his contract, I just can't do it if I'm the Raptors. I agree. I agree. And looking at it from the Toronto Raptors perspective, if the Nets are asking for Siakam, OG, uh, <clears throat> maybe, uh, like I said, Gary Trent and those picks, then I'm, then I'm for sure taking that trade. But the water kind of gets murky when you talk about throwing Rookie of the Year, Scotty Barnes in there. And I think if you're the Nets, I don't trade Kevin Durant to the Raptors without Scotty Barnes being in that trade. And I mean, rightfully so. I think both teams are on the right to decline this trade because of uh, differing beliefs in uh, player value when it comes to guys like Scotty Barnes and Kevin Durant. Because, I mean, Scotty Barnes has potential to be, I mean, 90% of what Kevin Durant is. You know what I mean? So who knows with that? So I think you're right when you say that the Nets want to move off of Joe Harris's $19 million annual contract for the next two years. So the next trade I got for you actually is that, that trade you're looking for. So Basically, this trade is to the Atlanta Hawks, and they already kind of went all in on DeJounte, on that DeJounte Murray trade, so this trade would pretty much drain every draft pick they have in storage, so this trade involves Kevin Durant and Joe Harris to the Hawks for John Collins, Clint Capella, Bogdan Bondanovich, 2023 first-round pick, 2029 first-round pick, and pretty much any pick that is, I mean, allowed to go into this trade. So immediately I'll, I'll react to this one first I just don't see enough draft compensation in this trade this is a trade that I think the Nets have to take if they're desperate but I just don't see John Collins value being high enough I'm not high on Clint Capella anymore even though I think he was a great starting center for the Rockets back in the day I mean Bogdan Bogdanovich I mean what what's the point of trading for having him in the trade when Joe Harris is in this trade I mean he's basically what Joe Harris is making the same amount of money so I mean, I don't like this trade, but it's just one of the few trades that actually goes through and works. So, uh, I mean, what do you think? You nailed it. I mean, you, you talked about the draft compensation just isn't going to be enough for the Nets to trigger that deal. Because like you said, John Collins, Bogdanovich, and Capella just don't raise the meter enough for for the Nets. I, I just don't think, okay, I look at these three guys. I mean, are we going to be better off with three these three guys in our starting lineup as opposed to having KD in the starting lineup? And no, that it does not it does not equal out to me. I would ha rather have a healthy KD than those other three guys in my lineup. So then it comes down to the draft compensation and Atlanta just I just don't think they can package enough after the Murray deal to make it appealing for the Nets to make that trade. I just, I don't see that. I just kind of wanted to get that one out of the way because you mentioned that Joe Harris probably is out the door as well. Right. So yeah, I, I just don't see that trade happening. That's, that's just a last ditch effort by the Nets. If they try, if they need to make the trade before the season starts and that's the only thing they can get, then maybe, but yeah, I, I just don't see that happening. So the last two trades I got for you before we get out of here, are pretty intriguing and they they're to some contending teams so we'll start with the memphis grizzlies and this package it, it's it's pretty enticing i'm not gonna lie so you got kevin durant going to the grizzlies in exchange for jaron jackson jr dylan brooks three future draft uh first round draft picks 
and uh, some second rounds get thrown in there too. But those are the two players that you get in return for the Nets. And if I'm the Nets, I think I need to see Desmond Bain get thrown in that trade as well. Maybe along with Brandon Clark, uh, maybe you throw in Joe Harris in there to make the salaries work a little bit. But I think I need more than just Jaron Jackson and Dylan Brooks. I think that's a starting point. That's a good starting point. But, yeah, I think Desmond Baines got to uh, be in that trade as well. So what do you think about this trade for KD to the Grizzlies for Jaron Jackson, Dylan Brooks, and Picks? Wow. Now that that's an intriguing one because uh, w- when you talk Jaron Jackson, I-, I see a game changer, you know, on both ends of the floor. I do too. I mean, I think that guy is a year or two away from becoming an all-star. And, I mean, I think I think it's just a matter of time. Now – I'm not real high on uh, Brooks. I mean, I think he's kind of a malcontent, and I think I think the Grizzlies would love to move off of him. I mean, he's a talented guy, but he just doesn't seem to play with a lot of court awareness. I mean, we talked about it a month or two ago with just his fouling. I mean, the guy just doesn't seem to understand how the game of basketball should be played, especially on the defensive end of the floor. And he just kind of seems like a, I, I mean, I kind of going back to his days at Oregon. I mean, he just seemed to, to kind of be out for himself and he kind of turned me off on him even when he was in college. So I'm not real high on him, yeah. but boy, you talk about throwing Desmond Bain in there. Ooh, now you have my attention if I, if I'm the Nets, because that's another guy who's, going to be a really, really good NBA player. You throw him in and then talk a few more draft picks, I'm definitely listening if I'm if I'm the Nets, if I can get Jaron Jackson and Desmond Bain in that deal. I'm liking that. And then you think about what you have left on the Brooklyn Nets side of things. You have Jaron Jackson Jr., Ben Simmons, Desmond Bain. I mean, you have Nicholas Claxton back. I mean, that team defensively is going to be lengthy and it's going to be hard to score on. So maybe that's what Brooklyn, uh, if they go through with this kind of trade, maybe they just make their identity uh, the best defensive team in the league and try to win games that way. I mean, having a great defense is more valuable than having a good offense in today's league. I mean, having a value, uh, just as good of an offense is definitely important. Obviously, you got to score points. But, I mean, the two best uh, defensive teams were in the finals. We talk about it. All the time, uh, the Celtics and Warriors put together two of the best defenses that we've ever seen, two of the best defensive performances in the finals, and maybe that's the kind of model you want to build your team around and worry about the adding the offense later on, maybe through the draft or some of these picks that you're also getting in these trades. So, uh, And I just realized that my last trade that I had put together for Kevin Durant to go to the Boston Celtics, uh, I thought it'd be funny because it was the team that knocked him out of the first round this year. And uh, we know what happened when he lost to Golden State. He went and joined them. So you can't beat him, you join him. So that was Mike. You can't beat him, you uh, might as well join him kind of trade. Right. But it kind of, I didn't, I just kind of forgot that they traded for Malcolm Brogdon already. And some of the assets that I had going to Brooklyn uh, just aren't there anymore because they traded them to Indiana for that Malcolm Brogdon trade. And honestly, uh, we can talk about that just real quick before we get out of here. Adding Malcolm Brogdon to the Boston Celtics roster, that is huge. They're going to be a bigger problem to deal with in the east and that actually makes them my favorite in the east until we see some kind of kevin durant trade that could put a little more clarity uh when it comes to next season and the rosters that we're going to go into next season scene so yeah i love that malcolm brogdon trade to the celtics yeah i could not agree more i mean that was 
of all the of all the moves that have been made in the last three and a half days, I mean, to me, that was an excellent move by the Celtics front office, bringing him in. He can play both guard spots. Now you can move around smart and just do more with him because we both agree that he's not a point guard. I mean, he he's he's really not, but now now you have two guys who can guard two maybe three positions uh that you're going to have you, you're forgetting you're forgetting Derek time. White too. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. And Derek White, I mean, just gives Boston so much more leverage and ability to play different lineups and move guys around and Huge. I mean, I know he, he's had problems staying healthy in the past. So, I mean, you do have that question mark with Brogdon. But if he's healthy, that is a huge get for Boston. And one more thing on that. I think his the load on offense and defense won't be as high as they were. Like, you know, the expectations won't be as high as they were in Indiana and, and uh, Milwaukee when he was having the 36 minute a game workload. I mean, he's going to he's going to be like a 25 to 29 minute a game guy for the Celtics and I think we're going to see him kind of revitalize his career there. And one more move the Celtics made to kind of look at is Danilo Gallinari got bought out uh, by the San Antonio Spurs after the DeJounte Murray trade and the Celtics were able to scoop him up for the minimum. So, I mean, they just add another 6-10 guy who can space the floor and shoot. So, it's just going to be the Boston Celtics are going to be right back there next season, and they're going to be scary. No question. They got they got so much better with those two moves. Gallinari, veteran guy, great shooter, big body, another guy. I mean, I'm, you know, he's, he's going to have trouble guarding a phone booth. But at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, he gives you size. He can stretch the floor with his shooting. You know, he's going to give you 18 to 21 minutes a game. And, yeah, I mean, Boston definitely has upgraded this offseason. And, you know, they were in the finals last year. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and the boys got some valuable experience and I'm sure learned a lot. And, yeah, I, I, I have to put them right now as the favorite to get back in the Eastern Conference. So I think that kind of wraps up everything we wanted to talk about. Uh, when it comes to Kevin Durant, this situation is going to be really interesting, and hopefully we'll have another episode soon, uh, and there will be a trade that has gone through that we can discuss, and we won't have to kind of sit and talk about this all summer, which is something I don't want to do. I want this trade to kind of get over soon so we can start to speculate uh, what Kevin Durant's future in the NBA is going to look like. So. Big thanks to you for hopping on and spending some of your Sunday morning on this 4th of July weekend to kind of break down the madness of the Brooklyn Nets and Kevin Durant trade rumors. So, yeah, big thanks for hopping on today. Yep, have a great Sunday, my man. Enjoy the 4th, everyone. Uh, happy 4th of July weekend. Everyone uh, get out and have some fun and uh, spend some time outside, spend some time with loved ones, and uh, just enjoy the holiday weekend for sure. This has been episode 12 of Typical Swish on the Typical Twist Podcast Network. Thanks for tuning in, and all feedback is welcome. And make sure you leave a rating on whatever platform you listen to. Have a good weekend, everybody.